I'D LIKE TO ENCOURAGE ALL OF YOU WHO CLAIM TO REALLY HAVE A RELATIONSHIP WITH THE LORD TO GET OUT AND VOTE IN THESE UPCOMING ELECTIONS. I'M AMAZED THAT THERE WERE OVER 25 MILLION CHRISTIANS REGISTERED TO VOTE WHO DID NOT VOTE IN THE LAST ELECTION CYCLE. I TELL YOU, THAT'S SIN. THAT'S WRONG. WE HAVE NOT ONLY THE PRIVILEGE, BUT A RESPONSIBILITY TO VOTE. SO I'D JUST LIKE TO ENCOURAGE YOU TO TAKE YOUR CHRISTIAN RESPONSIBILITY TO VOTE SERIOUSLY. GET OUT AND VOTE FOR RIGHTEOUSNESS THIS ELECTION. WELCOME TO A SPECIAL EDITION OF GOSPEL TRUTH WITH ANDREW WOMACK, A TEACHING MINISTRY THAT FOCUSES ON GOD'S UNCONDITIONAL LOVE AND GRACE. On today's broadcast, Andrew will be sharing about the importance of having a biblical worldview. And now, here's Andrew. Welcome to our Monday's broadcast of the Gospel Truth. This week, I'm continuing to teach from this new series that I have out entitled Biblical Worldview Sexuality. I tell you, this is a hot topic. It's an area that people are so confused. This is an area that, you know, just all kinds of things. Hollywood, just Satan from every area has perverted sexuality so that people are very confused. And this is a direct inroad of Satan into your life if you don't do it the way God intended it to be. This is really important. And we've got multiple teachers. I've already had Alex McFarland teach. I've had Dwayne Sheriff teach and Mike and Carrie Pickett WE HAD uh, PASTOR GREG MOORE, AND TODAY WE'RE GOING TO HAVE BILL FEDERER. AND I TELL YOU, I'VE COME TO LOVE THIS MAN. HE IS A HISTORIAN, AND HE IS GOING TO BE SHARING HOW SEXUALITY HAS, uh, OR LET ME SAY, A MISUSE OF SEXUALITY, A PERVERSION OF SEXUALITY HAS REALLY BEEN THE DOWNFALL OF EVERY MAJOR CULTURE IN THE HISTORY OF THE WORLD. BILL IS A GREAT HISTORIAN, AND HE IS GOING TO PUT THIS INTO A PERSPECTIVE THAT I THINK WILL MAKE A HUGE DIFFERENCE IN YOUR LIFE. REMEMBER THAT THIS IS ONLY A PORTION OF THE TEACHING THAT HE DOES IN THIS SERIES. AND SO AT THE END OF THE PROGRAM TODAY, I'M GOING TO COME BACK ON AND SHARE WITH YOU HOW YOU CAN GET THE ENTIRE TEACHING THAT BILL FEDERER WILL BE DOING AS WELL AS ALL THE REST OF THE PEOPLE IN THIS SERIES ON BIBLICAL WORLDVIEW SEXUALITY. WE'RE GOING TO LOOK AT THE CHRISTIAN VIEW OF SEXUALITY. AND TO DO THAT, WE NEED TO LOOK AT CHRIST. AND SO THE WORD CHRISTIAN MEANS A FOLLOWER OF CHRIST. SO WE NEED TO LOOK AT THE TEACHINGS OF CHRIST. AND SO JESUS IN MARK 10 SAID, FROM THE BEGINNING OF CREATION, GOD MADE THEM MALE AND FEMALE. FOR THIS CAUSE SHALL A MAN LEAVE HIS FATHER AND MOTHER AND CLEAVE TO HIS WIFE, AND THE TWAIN SHALL BE ONE FLESH. SO JESUS HIMSELF IDENTIFIED TWO SEXES, MALE AND FEMALE, AND THAT MARRIAGE WAS THE UNION OF MALE AND FEMALE. MATTER OF FACT, ALL OF CREATION, YOU LOOK AT IT, NEARLY EVERY CREATURE REPRODUCES MALE AND FEMALE. SO MAMMALS HAVE XX CHROMOSOMES FOR FEMALE AND XY CHROMOSOMES FOR MALE. MOST BIRDS Fish, crustaceans, insects, and reptiles have ZW chromosomes for the female and ZZ chromosomes for the male. 
And then some very small creatures have XX and XO chromosomes. XX for the female and XO for the male. And these are small-legged creatures such as scorpions, spiders, ticks, mites, silverfish, dragonflies, grasshoppers, crickets, cockroaches, mollusks, snails, and even slugs. To think of almost every living creature has male and female and they reproduce by the male and female coming together. And so we see that in Genesis, everything from mosquitoes to whales produces with the union of male and female. Genesis 6.19 says, And of every living thing of all flesh, two of every sort shalt thou bring into the ark to keep them alive with thee. They shall be male and female. And Genesis, again, the story of Noah, chapter 7. And the Lord said unto Noah, Come thou and all thy house into the ark. Of every clean beast thou shalt take of thee seven, the male and his female. And of the beasts that are not clean by two, the male and his female. Of the fowls also of the air by sevens, the male and the female, to keep seed alive upon the face of the earth. So apart from extremely rare cases, the norm for living creatures is to have either male or female chromosomes. Every single cell in the body has the male or the female chromosomes. Now, procreation. To ensure procreation, God made it so that males would be attracted to the females with the pleasure that is part of the attraction. If this were not the case, every species on earth would go extinct. So males are attracted to females. This desire is so strong that in nature, the males of various species will fight sometimes to the death in order to decide who gets the female. Very strong motivations. Now, it's interesting that there are some scientific and medical studies that suggest that certain diets of particular foods and possible weight gain may have an effect of decreasing testosterone or increasing estrogen levels in the person's uh, body, but this does not change the chromosomes. And also recent studies from the United Nations and the World Health Organization, they've released reports that indicate that increased use of glyphosates. Now, this is most common in Monsanto's Roundup herbicide and GMOs, that where these are used to a large degree, there are instances of hormone disruption in animals. Androgyny, transgenderism, gender bending, and in humans, especially when consumed by pregnant mothers. So we see that maybe instead of focusing on uh, the re-education of school children, maybe some attention should be on the diet and the GMOs and the glyphosates. The role of role models. Now, the higher an animal is in intelligence, the more its development is influenced by learned behavior imprinting from the role of an adult of their species. So, 
with humans, could it be that the last generation and a half that children have been subjected to alter role models that maybe through Hollywood and maybe through uh, the feminist movement that has put pressure to lessen masculinity and so it may have been providing less masculine roles for the young boys and less female uh, role modeling for the young girls. We've gone from Hollywood, which has changed from father knows best, honoring the role model of the father, to Archie Bunker and Homer Simpson, which makes a fool out of the role model of the father. And then schools introduce games where there's no winners and no losers. And so there's been an effort within the last generation and a half, largely from the feminist movement, to demasculinize men and metrosexual and all those different terms. So maybe the situation we're facing today with an increase of alternative sexual identities, maybe the altered role model is where the focus needs to be. And that, again, with higher intelligent species, the more their development is influenced by role models. There's an instance in Africa where the poaching has killed off adult elephants so much that the young male elephant does not have a role model and is totally unruly and stomping around and trashing things and disrupting the whole dynamics of the tribe. And they're seeing this more and more because of the poaching killing off the adult males to get their tusks. Well, God's plan. What's God's plan? Well, if we look at the Bible, the book of Genesis, God made man in his image, Adam. And then he put Adam into a deep sleep and took a rib out and from the rib, he formed Eve. Now, the word rib, there are numerous Bible commentaries that interpret the word rib as side. So it could read that God took a side out of Adam and made Eve. And Genesis 2.20 says, And Adam gave names to all the cattle and the fowls of the air, and every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found an help meet for him. And the Lord caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh thereof. And the rib which the Lord had taken from man made he woman and brought her unto the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh, she shall be called woman, because she was taken out of man. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother, and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. In other words, God took out of Adam a side. Perhaps the side is the emotional side, or the intuition, or the verbal communication skills, or attention to relationships or empathy, or sensitivity, or gentleness, and humility, and nurturing. These qualities that mothers have that men are not having as much. So Adam would have woken up from his deep sleep after his rib was taken out. He would have woken up and said, I'm half the man I used to be. <laughs> 
And husbands subconsciously acknowledge this when they introduce their wives saying, this is my better half. And so in an interesting verse, there's Genesis chapter 5, verse 1 and 2. It says, this is the book of the generations of Adam in the day God created man. In the likeness of God made he him, male and female created he them, and blessed them and called their name Adam. Did you catch that? So here, Adam was the one who called Eve, Eve. It says in Genesis 3.20, And Adam called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living. So from God's point of view, uh, he still saw them as one. So God made Adam in his image, put Adam to sleep, took half out, brought half back, and he calls them still Adam. And so each individual person is made in the image of God. But in a mysterious and wonderful way, man and woman united in marriage also reflects the image of God. Thus, at some level, the attack on two sexes and the attack on marriage is an attack on the image of God. And of course, in Christian theology, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are one. So one God, three persons, and with Adam and Eve, you have the two persons, but they're one. And this use of the Bible in referring this way is also seen in the Old Testament, where God calls all 12 tribes of Israel by the name of one person, Jacob. Here's the verse in Jeremiah 46, 27. Fear thou not, O my servant Jacob, for behold, I will save thee from afar off, from the land of their captivity, and Jacob shall return and be in rest, and none shall make him afraid. So here he's talking to the entire nation, but he's calling him Jacob. He's calling them and using the terms him as a singular. So God refers to Adam and Eve. They're two persons, but he refers, he sees them as one. So this is beautiful. And Jesus reaffirmed the Genesis account of sex and marriage in Mark 10. He said, From the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife, and they twain shall be one flesh. So then they are no more twain, but one flesh. What God therefore hath joined together, let not man put asunder. So we don't want to put asunder the marriage, but we don't want to put asunder any of what Jesus taught. So marriage between a man and a woman is the oldest human institution. So out of all of human history, the very first institution was God uniting together man and woman. So Jesus validated marriage by doing his first public miracle at a wedding, the wedding feast of Cana where he turned water into wine. Now, interesting side note, uh, God saved the best for last. An interesting question is, what was the very last thing that God created? Okay, the book of Genesis, he creates light, he creates the, the stars and earth and all the creatures. And the, but what was the, the very, very last thing that God created? It was the woman. And so, any human creator, such as an artist, a painter, a sculptor, when they're creating their very last work, 
would they throw some paint on a canvas and be done? Or would that artist want to show off their brilliance, show off their creative ability, the, the apex, the piece de resistance, the crowning expression of their creative ability? So when you read the scriptures, God made Adam, put him to sleep, and he brought Eve to Adam. He was proud of her. He was showing her off. He was showing his creative brilliance and beauty and, and all the intuition and strength that a woman has. God was proud of the creation of woman. So it's sort of interesting that the uh, attack on sexuality is uh, laying an attack on the woman. So the feminist movement, interestingly enough, the more feminist a woman becomes, the less feminine she appears. And so wants to look more like a boy and so forth. And then we see in other cultures, the role of women is put down. In Islam, they say that it um, takes two women to testify in court against one man. So a woman has half the value there. There is a verse that says, if a dog, a donkey, or a woman passes between you and Mecca when you're praying, your prayers are invalidated. So a woman is put down equal to a dog or a donkey in that verse. And, and then a man can have four wives in Islam. And so you divide it out. You have one wife for one husband. They're equal. But here a woman is worth a fourth. And in Islam, all a man has to do to divorce the woman is just say, I divorce you three times. She's out the door. And no alimony or rights. But here in the Bible story, woman is elevated to equality with man. One man, one woman, united together, they're one. Genesis 1.26 says, And God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, over the cattle of all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth on the earth. So God made man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. And God blessed them and said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply, replenish the earth and subdue it. And then God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. So he makes everything and calls it good, but finally after he makes man and woman, puts them together, he calls it very good. So, the attack on the sexuality of a man and a woman, the attack on marriage, is an attack on the creation of God and, on a certain level, an attack on the image of God. Now, marriage, it's so important in the Bible that even redemption is portrayed in light and in terms of a marriage. The Old Testament reveals Israel as a virgin betrothed unto the Lord, and the Lord's name is Jealous, and Israel has played the harlot. And then in the New Testament, John the Baptist said, I said I am not the Christ, but I am sent before him. And John the Baptist goes on, He that hath the bride is the bridegroom, but the friend of the bridegroom which standeth and heareth him, rejoices greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. And this, my joy, therefore, is fulfilled. So John the Baptist is referring to Jesus as a bridegroom. And then uh, the Apostle Paul wrote 
in 2 Corinthians 11. He says, For I am jealous over you with a godly jealousy, for I have espoused you to one husband, that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. Again, the analogy of a marriage. The book of Revelation, chapter 21, says, And I, John, saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And there came unto me one of the seven angels and talked with me, saying, Come hither, and I will show thee the bride, the Lamb's wife. So here, all of the plan of redemption is portrayed as a marriage. And so again, when we attack marriage, we're attacking the scriptures themselves. Now, this liberal sexual agenda, it's a relatively recent thing. A dozen years ago, when there was a candidate running for president, Barack Obama, at that time, in 2008, there was not one congressman or senator, Democrat or Republican, who was publicly in favor of gay marriage. Not even Bill or Hillary Clinton were in favor of gay marriage. Just as recently as 2008, every single public official, uh, Democrat or Republican, was in favor publicly of marriage being a man or woman. Just that recent. And even uh, when candidate Obama was at Saddleback Church in 2008, he said, I believe that marriage is a union between a man and a woman. Now, for me, as a Christian, it is also a sacred union. God is in the mix. So here, running for president, he said he believed in marriage as a man and a woman. Yet his campaign advisor, David Axelrod, wrote in a recent book in 2015 that the candidate had engaged in political deception. So Time Magazine, February 10th, 2015, had the headline, Axelrod, colon, Obama misled the nation when he opposed gay marriage in 2008. The article goes on, Barack Obama misled Americans for his own political benefit when he claimed in 2008 election to oppose same-sex marriage for religious reasons. His former political strategist, David Axelrod, writes in a new book, Believer, My 40 Years in Politics. I'm just not very good at bull, S-H. And he goes on, the candidate Obama told Axelrod after an event where he stated his opposition to same-sex marriage according to the book. The Time Magazine article goes on. He said, Axelrod writes that he knew Obama was in favor of same-sex marriages during the first presidential campaign, even as Obama publicly said he only supported civil unions, not full marriages. Axelrod also admits to counseling Obama to conceal that position for political reasons. Time magazine continued, opposition to gay marriage was particularly strong in the black church, and as he ran for higher office, he grudgingly accepted the counsel of more pragmatic folk like me and modified his position to support civil unions rather than marriage, which he would term a sacred union, Axelrod writes. It goes on, the insider's account provides the clearest look yet at Obama's long-established flip-flop, one of the blemishes on his record as a progressive. Now, that was, again, Time Magazine article. Well, no sooner did he get elected than that president's views on marriage evolved, and he expected every single person in the nation to immediately evolve with him. And if they didn't, 
he would send the Department of Justice in to persecute them, whether they were cake bakers, photographers, or even Kentucky county clerks. And so we see that the 6,000-year human history of marriage, beginning in Genesis as a man and a woman, is suddenly, just within a dozen years, thrown out the window. Man, I know that that blessed you. I tell you, Bill Federer is just a jewel. This guy is a tremendous resource, and I know that God used him to speak to you today. And remember that this is only a portion. He had an entire hour-long teaching, and you only saw a portion of it today. If you would like to get the whole thing, plus he teaches another session in here. If you would like to get all of the teaching, not only of Bill Federer, and Pastor Greg Moore and Carrie Pickett and Alex McFarlane and Dwayne Sheriff and myself teaching on sexuality, I encourage you to listen to our announcer. He's going to share with you about all of the material that's in here. And plus, we have a package deal. I made an original series, 12 hours worth of teaching on biblical worldview. And so we've got a package deal where you get that first 12 hours that I did. You get these 10 hours of teaching, two hours of panel discussion, uh, and you can get the whole thing as a package. Listen to our announcer and please call or write today. Today, Andrew's pleased to offer the next topic in the Biblical Worldview series titled Biblical Worldview Sexuality. In this series, Andrew's joined by Alex McFarland, Bill Federer, Dwayne Sheriff, Greg Moore, and Mike and Carrie Pickett as they outline the importance for every Christian believer to have a biblical worldview with regard to sexuality. Each of the 12 lessons includes a video, audio file, chapter lesson, and printable PDF wrapped in a single box set containing a workbook, audio USB, and personal access code to the online videos. Through the online platform, you'll have access to all of the videos and digital workbooks on your computer or smart device. You can get Biblical Worldview Sexuality today for only $120. Or you can receive Biblical Worldview Sexuality as part of the Biblical Worldview Package, which includes both installments from Andrew's Biblical Worldview series, Foundational Truths, and Sexuality. This package has a catalog value of $240, but you can get them both today for only $197. Go to awmi.net to order these valuable resources today. Many of you know that we have built a 1,022 space parking garage to accommodate all of our people that come to our facilities in Woodland Park. And it was at a $23 million cost and we are trying to get that paid off as quickly as we can. Though I felt like the Lord spoke to me about encouraging 23,000 people to give a $1,000 offering, either a one-time gift or pledged out over a period of 10 months, $100 per month. If you would like to be a part of that, I encourage you to call or write, go to our website and join our 1K Club. You can become a Grace Partner or order resources through our website at awmi.net. Or you can call our helpline 24 hours a day, five days a week, Monday through Friday at 719-635-1111. To write us, use the address on your screen. We appreciate your generosity and hope to hear from you today.
And I want to share with you about Keras Distance Education. This is what we call our online platform or our correspondence courses where you get the materials sent to you. But you don't have to come to a physical location. You can receive the teaching through these platforms and then you can send in your test. You actually have interaction and stuff, but you don't have to leave and go to a physical location. And for some of you, this is your answer to how you could receive the teaching from Keras without having to pick up and move to one of these locations. You can get more information by contacting us, but we encourage you to become a part of Keras Bible College through our distance education.